Are you someone with a dream, passion, and desire to become an entrepreneur? Hi, I'm Corey Mosley, and I'm on a mission to provide education and empowerment to aspiring entrepreneurs. If that's you, you're invited to join me every week as I talk with everyday entrepreneurs committed to beating the odds and building their businesses. Welcome to the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Mosley. I've got another exciting show with you because I get to have some of my besties as guests on the show. Often, you know, I'm bringing on people who I know their history, I know their background, I know a lot about them already, and I know they're going to bring immense value to to my listeners. So yet again, we've succeeded in getting another one of uh, my good friends on the show, uh, a real mover and shaker out there that's really done an excellent job building his business. My guest today is Paul Potratz. Paul is the COO of the powerhouse agency, Potratz Advertising. You know, early on in his career, he drove across the country pitching his business time and time again, often walking away empty-handed. But his entrepreneurial spirit and passion for creativity just inspired him to continue working on his dream. Nearly 15 years later, after opening the agency, uh, he's a defining force in a lot of different verticals, including automotive, small businesses, mindset, and has over 100,000 subscribers to his weekly podcast, Think Tank Tuesday. We got to get to that number. Um, under Paul's leadership, the advertising agency continues to provide a limitless range of services from digital analytics to web design, growing and adapting as the industry continues to change. Paul, thank you for joining the show today. How are you? Thank you, Corey. Boy, that was a mouthful there, buddy. I know, I know. <laughs> everybody, well, listen, we, wanna, we want everybody to know we've got some real deal people on here. You know, so often we just get exposed to, you know, the big names and, you know, the guys that are on, on Shark Tank and, you know, we want to hear what they have to say. But there's so many, there's thousands upon thousands of entrepreneurs out there building their businesses every day, unsung heroes, people out there who are really the model for what our listeners, people starting their businesses, that's really the model. I, I've always been an advocate of, you know, mentoring up, right, but within your scale. I don't want to follow a guy that's got a billion-dollar company right now because I'm trying to get a million-dollar company or a $10 million company. So I think it's important in the marketplace to, uh, to kind of stay grounded that way. So I, I appreciate you taking the time to – I know your dog's sitting uh, and, and, and got some dogs <laughs> running around your office today. So if there's a bark or two, we'll, we'll excuse it for the show. But um, thanks for taking the time. So, no, I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. So, Paul, uh, let's dive right in. Obviously, we've known each other for a number of years. I would certainly consider you a, a, a very close friend, um, as most of us don't have a ton of those there. But, you know, I, I know you as the Paul Potratz, you know, today, the, the magnetizing, charismatic, you know, best dressed guy I know. Uh, but it wasn't always it wasn't always that way. Right. I, <laughs> I, I found a YouTube video of you from like 15 years ago, and it was a very different Paul. Talk to us a little bit about that, those early entrepreneurs, there's normally, those early days of entrepreneurship and, you know, making the decision to open your business and, and leave really corporate America because you had a, a fairly big time job, but I think Clear Channel. Talk to us just a little bit about those moments and experiences. Well, yeah, I was, I was a station manager for Clear Channel and, uh, I wouldn't say it was a plus job, but you had a guaranteed, well, and I wouldn't even say guaranteed, but you had a paycheck. So right. you had a paycheck rolling in. 
but uh, you know, and I always enjoyed the hustle of marketing and sales at the same thing, you know, same time. Mm -hmm. But I I think the biggest thing that drove me is boredom. I would just get bored Mm. at different companies that I worked for. Um, I just, and you know, there was a number of companies. I mean, quite honestly, I just got fired too because (laughs) I would get bored. All great entrepreneurs got fired at some point. (laughs) Yeah. And I got fired several times because I had a, you know, a thought of the way we should be doing things and I would change it. So, and uh, that usually didn't sit well with the managers. And the reason it didn't sit well with the managers, it wasn't because I was being a rebel is because it created more work for everyone and everybody wanted to be in their comfort zone. Right. Right. So, so so, that's that's what drove me really was to say, so so how did that mix it up? So how did that day come? What, no, no. What, what was that defining moment? Most people, whether they, whether they started their businesses five years ago or, or 30 years ago, they think of that defining moment. What, what was that defining moment for you? Well, I, I kept on procrastinating and I'd have my excuses of why I could not start the agency. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough clients, you know, whatever it was. And uh, finally, I took that vacation that I haven't had, you know, for several years. I hadn't had a vacation in like seven years. Right. And then I took it. And when I came back, they were surprised I took a vacation and they fired me. So <laughs> that was the defining moment right there. They, I see. When they, and I'd moved to the area, bought a home. And uh, I need, I mean, I had money in the bank and everything. I mean, it wasn't a tremendous amount, but I had enough. Right. Right. And uh, so it was one of those things that I just said, you know, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of moving from town to town because that's really what I had to do to be able to move up in my career. You know, if I would have tried to stay in the same market and grow, it would have been a very slow process. And I would have only grown when somebody died. So now you made the decision obviously you were selling advertising and working for the station, but you know, advertising is so creative and it's super competitive. You know, what, what were some of the things you faced? Cause there's a lot of people right now, there's somebody out there that's got a great talent, right? They're great at baking, but they're like, Oh my God, is anybody going to buy my cookies when there's a million cookies or they want to make candles? And obviously I can go to a million places to get candles. What, what was the thinking to say, Hey, what am I going to bring different? to an advertising agency when there's a million advertising agencies out there? You know, I really didn't think about that. And I think the reason that I didn't think about it is because I was in it and I was doing it. I mean, I was a station manager. I had 30, about 30 something salespeople that worked for me. And I was just coming up with ideas to be able to, you know, basically sell radio advertising. Right. And I built you know, some relationships along the way of business owners, people, you know, and they would say, Hey, could you help me with this? So it just kind of grew from that. So I wasn't really sitting back saying, Oh my gosh. I mean, I knew there was a lot of competition, but you know, I had, when I, you know, I had two or three clients in the beginning. So I was starting to get into the groove of it and I just grew it from there instead of, you know, worrying about all the what ifs, because once I was forced into it, I was into it and I couldn't say, oh, what if, what if. So what do you say to people who are like, you know, oh, no, I got to, I got to line up. I got to have a hundred clients before I start, or I got to line up, you know, everything has to be perfect. Well, what do you say to those people? Yeah. If you keep on doing that, you'll probably never start. And (laughs) uh, that's right. That's, that's the biggest thing. And you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of what ifs in life. But if you're able to pay the bills, I'm not saying you go out and a hope and a dream. I mean, if you have enough clients that you can cover the bills 
And right. if you have a, a wife that's supporting and she's going to help you the however she can help you, you, you just have to do it. I mean, life is too short. I mean, it's just, I think back when I started the agency and it's been 14 years now and I'm like, wow, where did the time go? It just flew right. by. So you can't sit back and do all the what ifs. It does move super fast for sure. So let's, let's switch to your, 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 you're an expert in marketing uh, with a huge emphasis on video and digital marketing. Let's switch to your expertise for a second. What are, because I see this so often. I mean, we see this so often. Um, small business owners just making a lot of mistakes with their marketing and their branding and, and doing it in the name of the fact that they don't have a lot of money to invest in the area. Well, what are some of the mistakes working with small businesses and, and people who are building their small business? What are some of the mistakes that you see common in their, in their marketing and branding efforts? You might have to translate this because I, I know exactly what it is in my head and it always takes me <laughs> a little longer to say it. So the biggest thing is that someone has, let's say, let's just use the word widget. Someone has widgets to sell. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what they do is they advertise, I've, I have widgets to sell. Buy my right. widgets. I am, uh, I am creative. I am fun. Whatever it is, to buy my widgets. And that's the way they go after their advertising versus right. trying to say, do you have this, uh, this problem? Well, my, this is, here's a problem. This is how you would fix the problem. And, oh, by the way, my widgets can fix this problem. Does that make sense what I just said? Yes. So solve, People, do right. solutions. You want to do solution advertising versus just advertising your widgets and saying, hey, I've got the best a huge selection of colors and a lot to choose from and the lowest price out of everybody. Now, one of the things that I find, though, and one of the things that concerns me is when looking to do business, I don't know if I'm just critical because of, of the space I'm in from the consulting coaching in, but I, I'm, I'm so turned off. I don't think there's an excuse now to have bad websites and to have, because it's not, you don't, you don't have to spend $20,000 on your website anymore. There's a lot of resources to get you going, get you up. So I, I, it's a big turnoff. I, I will leave a brand or leave a website or not make a purchasing decision if I'm having a terrible experience. What advice do you have for, for small business owners out there when it comes to their digital presence, their, their websites, and just, just getting themselves in a position where people want to do business with them? Well, with the website, I think what happens so many times with the website, that everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people make it like a, uh, a digital business card. It's all about me, 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 right. and how great I am. And your website right. should be a resource because when we're interested in purchasing something, we search online, we look for it, we go to a website. So answer the questions of the person visiting the website, the, you know, the things that you solve with your product or service versus wanting to talk about, you know, and I mean, granted, you got to put things on there like, you know, how, how many employees do you have and what kind of experience do they have? But don't sure. make that the focus of your website. Make the focus of your website is how you solve solutions for your prospective and past clients. That way it's engaging. They spend more time on the website. And uh, if you're really bad at copywriting, then I say go with larger images and use a lot of imagery and a lot of video and try mm. to just calm down on the, the actual content and uh, go more of a video aspect, meaning that you're doing testimonials and it's not testimonials. Oh, I, do, I did business with ABC you know, services and they were awesome mm. and all that. No, 
you have to do testimonials where that client is saying, this is the problem I had, and this is why I struggled, and I didn't know how to fix it, and this is what I ended up doing. So now you more or less interweave how your company helped a person solve a problem. Because that's the only reason we spend money is to solve problems. So I was doing some coaching with a guy. He owned a painting company. And he actually came to bid on painting, on doing some painting in my home. And then we ended up talking um, to them and having some conversations. And I ended up, it turned into a kind of a coaching session. And what became the reality was that I started talking to him about testimonials and why he needed testimonials. And he basically said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm worried. What, what if, you know, what if people won't give me testimonials or I can't ask people to, to say nice things about me or to, or to give me testimonials. I, I feel weird doing that. But what do you say to people who, you know, refuse to get out of their comfort zone with stuff like that? It's an excuse. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. So if a business owner is going to do that and feel that way, it just means that they want to be in their comfort zone. And if you stay in your comfort zone, you have no opportunity for growth, or at least not as much growth as you probably want. So right. it's just, it's pure and simple. It's just an excuse. And if you ask people to do a video, you'd be surprised at how many people will actually do a video. And, you know, and there is a name Amway effect. You give them something, even if they pay for it, and then you ask for something in return other than, you know, of course, they're going to pay you, but you ask for something in return, meaning a testimonial, and if you've done a great job, they're going to be more than happy to give you a testimonial. Right, right. So branding, let's, let's talk a little further about branding. Let's talk about branding as it compares to and relates to competitive advantage. So going back to my conversation saying, hey, you know, I bake cookies. How does somebody set out to, they're not entering a new market. A lot of people are starting businesses that already exist in markets that already exist. They're trying to enter the market with a different spin. Not everybody's an Uber, right? Some people are just going to be, you know, adding to the mix or being added to the mix. How does someone from a branding standpoint um, create differentiation Step one, that's question one. And part two of this question is I want to talk about you personally because I've known you kind of through your own reinvention. And maybe not such a reinvention, but I remember you having that conversation with me that, you know, I think I'm going to step it up a notch. And then you went from kind of like just the guy that people, you know, a guy that people knew had good information and, and had a good business at conferences and speaking to like a guy people were watching saying, hey, I want to know what this guy's doing. I want to do what this guy's doing. And it, it just changed. So I threw two questions at you, but uh, go ahead and tackle them. Okay, well, you're going to probably have to say the second one again because uh, I think I'm getting senile anymore. So <laughs> branding, you know, I wouldn't really worry so much about and, – and that's another procrastination factor too. I wouldn't worry so much about, you know, what's different about my company. Like if I do cookies – just start making noise. And I mean, but you want to have your noise that you're making have a consistent look and feel right. and, and follow some type of a storyline. And, and just, and I mean, today there's no excuse that you can't do that. I mean, with Instagram, Instagram stories, Facebook, Facebook live, Facebook stories. I mean, you know, the list just goes on and on and on, but Pick a couple platforms that you're going to dominate, dominate mm -hmm. those platforms and just make sure that your, you know, how you're getting out there with your videos has that same look or feel. And don't worry about, you know, oh, my cookies are uh, have extra large chocolate chips versus the competition or they're, 
they're gluten-free. That will all come in time. But mm -hmm. if you sit back and try to figure that out right now before you do it, you're going to procrastinate. You won't do it. So just get out there. And even if you make the world's worst cookies, that can end up being a good brand for you because there's people that like bad cookies. <laughs> it could become I, a novelty I, item, right? Giving somebody a gift that give someone give the gift to someone you hate, world's worst chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, I mean, really think about it. I mean, you've probably heard about the was it the one restaurant where you go and there's certain times of the day and they insult you. And <laughs> no, I really, did not hear about that. Oh yeah, there. I think it's uh, <laughs> it's either New Jersey or New York. Of and course, I, I think it's hot dogs is what they do. But you go okay. and you order, and they. I mean, they're they're vulgar. They're they're rude. They insult <laughs> you. They they tell you everything. You know the things that would make your mom blush. I never and, heard uh, about this. Oh yeah, but in the reason that that really started is because they couldn't hire people that had good customer service, so they just uh, made wow. it a positive. So they made a thing but out of it. That's pretty interesting. I did hear about the restaurant that uh, was famous for the chicken and waffles, but the guys were running down the street to Popeye's and buying the chicken from Popeye's and then reselling it at their restaurant <laughs> as if they made it. I did hear about that restaurant. So. Yeah. So. Another Listen, wholesale retail. Who says you can't do that, right? So, right, exactly. okay. So part two of my question was about you personally and saying, okay, you know, going back, if you look at like a picture of us from four years ago at, at a conference where we were speaking, it was a whole, we, we, it was a whole different look like you. I will mm -hmm. say admittedly are the guy that got, introduced me to the pocket square. So anybody who watches my videos and sees me with pocket squares, that was Paul Potratz driving the, uh, driving the change there. But you kind of just went from like 50 to a hundred and just kind of, was it was all that tactical from a business standpoint or was it just a change in you personally like how do you what what made you personally kind yep. of reinvent yourself to a certain extent so there was two factors and uh, the first one the, the first determining what made me do it was that i reached a certain level of success mm -hmm. that i could just say you know what, if you don't like the the things that I like or like the style that I like, you know, screw you, I don't need your money. So that's the first thing. So I finally had the courage to say, I want to start dressing. And if I want to grow my hair out, I'm going to grow my hair out. And if I want my beard to be long, I'll let my beard be long. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, mm -hmm. and people judge a book by its cover and they, you know, I, I'd lost opportunities because my hair was a little too long or what I drove right. or whatever it was. Right. So finally I just reached that point. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I don't need your money and I'm going to do what I want to do. So that was the okay. first factor. Hold your thought there because you bring okay. up a topic that I always, that I always lament about. And I have these conversations. I don't, I haven't talked about it really publicly, but you bring up such a big topic and there's, there's this kind of wave of the be yourself, be yourself crowd. And I get a lot of static when I tell people you can't, if you're not in a place where, where, where you want to be, or you haven't achieved at the level you want, I have always said that sometimes you have to play the game a little differently. You can't, you know, you can't simply just do everything in the name of this is who I am. If you're trying to, to accomplish things, sometimes you have to work the program, as I like to call it. You just brought up a point so important there that you reached a point in your career where you had built the business to a certain extent. You had built it to a certain level, whether it's revenue, success as you defined it. And then you were able to say at that point, 
I'm going this direction. Like everybody, you know, is influenced like, oh, well, Mark Zuckerberg, he wears T-shirts and jeans every day. Yeah, if you're worth a kajillion dollars, Steve Jobs, you want to wear turtleneck and jeans to work, you can do that. But I think a lot of people too early in the game go with this just I'm going to be me thing and they don't play the game and they don't find success that way. So I felt like you were just speaking exactly a topic that I, I so, so much internally um, feel so contrarian about for a lot of people, but it sounds like we were on the same wavelength there. Well, I mean, it's true. You judge a book by its cover. And I mean, if you go for an interview and you got your, you have your sleeves rolled up, your long sleeve shirt to show your tattoos up your forearms. Right. And you're being interviewed by, you know, Goldman this guy Sachs. that's 40, <laughs> right. 50 years right. old and right. he's sure. a certified public accountant. Your right. chances, and you might be from Harvard, but the chances right. of you getting that interview is going to be less than the guy that went in. Maybe it's not from Harvard, but he's got his uh, sleeves rolled down and he's wearing a suit. We judge. Okay, so right. hold that thought. So now listen. Now, what do you say to the guy that goes, oh, well, if they didn't want to take me as I am, then, you know, I didn't want to work there anyway. Well, Sometimes you have to sacrifice your thoughts or your beliefs or whatever it is to get to a point that you want to be. And I mean, it's just, I mean, honestly, if I've had people come and interview with me that have stretched earlobes and their nose pierced and, you know, tattoos up the side of their neck and they were very qualified, but I didn't hire them. Right. But they they could have done a great job. But the problem is. And I mean, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, yeah, whatever. If you want to, you know, scar your body up, it's up to you. It's your choice. We all have, right. you know, personal right. choices. Right. But the problem is, is I have a number of clients that come through our offices and tour our right. offices. Right. And most of them are in their 40s and 50s and uh, professional, you know, white men. And right. they're going to go. Right. Oh my gosh, you know that just you know, and that and that's not the archetype that I formed as an agency. I mean, I always starting out, I wanted to be, you know, a criminal attorney in the nice cars and the nice suits, right. and that's the way I, you know, came out was always in a suit and you know always dress nice. I mean, mm-hmm. but but conservative. I was always conservative, right. Well dressed with maybe a splash of color of a pocket square or a tie. Well, yeah, right. but now I, you know, I think I'm still well dressed. I just oh, absolutely, yeah, best dressed I man I know. Changed the look to I went from your Wall Street looking guy to the country gentleman off my country estate. So listen, for sure, obviously, everybody will be Googling you after they listen to the episode. But yeah, you're, you're the only guy I know that could pull off a crayon book of uh, colors in pants, uh, mustard, salmon. You're the only, you're only guy that I know that could pull that off and make it look good. So everybody, make sure you Google Paul Potrets uh, <laughs> uh, after, you, after you listen to the podcast. Paul, tell us about your craziest entrepreneurship moment. Yeah, I've had so many, but... I'll say, I'll just kind of mention one because this might be helpful for some people. So I remember when I I started the agency and I started in my home and I had this little room, it was like a closet and that's where I was doing video production, making my phone calls, doing my emails and everything else. And right connected to it was my bedroom. And uh, so I would work wee hours. I mean, I was at that time seriously working 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. And it was just me and my dog. <laughs> so it's basically what it was. And uh, so I would work and then I would go to the bedroom and I would sleep for a few hours, four hours. And uh, Christy, 
my wife, she worked mm-hmm. at the bank at that time. And I remember she came home. I don't remember what time it was because uh, there was no such thing as time back then. And right. I remember her waking me up and going, what happened? And I was like, what do you mean? What happened? She said, your, uh, your checking account is overdrawn by $8,000. Oh, wow. And, uh, that was pretty scary because at that time I only had like $12,000 in my checking account. Right. Right. And, uh, so that was the craziest moment and come to find out what it was is a guy that I had working with me that I didn't pay much money because I I hired him because he was cheap. Right. And he did not move money from the savings account over to the checking account and media bills were being paid. So checks started bouncing and that's why I had all all these overdrawn overdrawn fees and everything else. But the craziest part about that was I, I, it stressed me out so bad that I actually felt really sick. Like I was going to throw up Mm. because I was thinking that is it. The business is over with. And that was the craziest. Because you moment. bounced a few checks. Oh, uh, that I I, I should have given you more prep time on this. I thought you were going to tell me the guy stole the twelve thousand dollars or something no, more no. more it, it salacious was, than oh yeah. I forgot to transfer the money. Yeah, but but <laughs> but the problem was is I had all of those bounced check fees. I understand. And I had to cover the the fee of eight thousand dollars, and you and, had to risk embarrassment to to people to your to vendors that you're working with. Well, you're worried about them going back and telling clients and everything else. But I mean, it was really, it was to the point. I was on such a shoestring that it was, it was the point to put, to actually put me out of business. Right. And I'm stressing over it. And three hours later, the phone rings and I signed this client that I've been working for four years. Wow. You know, through time. And, uh, it was like, okay. And then I talked to him. I said, well, you know, let's uh, talk about your setup fee. And he's like, oh, no problem. How do you want to do that? And I said, could you FedEx it to me? I'll give you my FedEx number. I need it overnight. And uh, so it was that setup fee that paid the the check bounce fees and uh, continued on. Awesome. Awesome. I, I know we, we, we could talk all day about entrepreneurial stories, but it is time though for the entrepreneurship rapid fire section. In this segment, I'm going to ask you a series of questions to give our listeners some insights to how you tick as an entrepreneur. Are you ready? I think I am. Okay. First, I, it's so funny. I know you, so I know most of these answers, but, but they don't. So here we go. Uh, number one, PC or Mac? Well, Mac. These are quick answers. Okay, Mac. All right, thank all right, you. All right, all right, I'll speed it up. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was, just, I was thinking, I thought you were going to bust on me about my phone since I left. Nope, I wasn't going to say phone. anything on that. Okay, well, all right, all right. So, Mac, question number two, your favorite credit card for small business? Amex. Okay. Number three, are you a physical planner guy or a digital planner? Ooh, uh, a little bit of both, actually. So, 50-50? Yeah. All right. What's your favorite software right now to manage the business? Uh, my notebook and my fountain pen. Okay. Uh, are you Starbucks, Dunkin', or other? Uh, Starbucks, yeah. Starbucks. Now, are you into thank you cards or thank you emails? Thank you cards. When you read, is it a hardcover, on a tablet, or an audiobook? All three. What's your next big goal? Data. <laughs> what? Data. Your next big goal is data. Yeah, what does my that next mean? Well, what it means is, you know, for years we've been doing digital marketing and social media marketing as a company, and that's what we're known as. Now, and you want data? You want to be a data? Yeah, you want to be able to provide data and insights? 
Yeah, and that's where we've hired staff. And so now we're doing that. And that's our next big push is to really transform ourselves and let everybody know that we're all about data. Okay. And final question. One day with any mentor, doesn't they don't have to be famous. Who would that be? Boy, there's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> shoot. With any, boy, you stumped, stumped me on that one. Any, any mentor. One day with uh, any who mentor, would who would that be? Uh, Claude Hopkins. And who was Claude Hopkins for our listeners? He's the father of advertising. He wrote scientific advertising. But and he's still alive? The, no, no. He oh, was okay. like, yeah, the book came out in like 1920. Okay. How about alive? I'm going to have to start oh. qualifying that question. Yeah, how about alive? Yeah. Oh, 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 alive. Okay, alive. Who would it be alive? Okay, I'm going to throw one at you. What I would like to do is to have a room of like 20 entrepreneurs <laughs> that are billing over $1 billion and just be able to pick questions off of them. That's what I'd like to do. Okay. As usual, Paul has augmented my program. But our final segment is called Entrepreneurship Trivia. That is the time when I'm going to ask you a entrepreneurship trivia question. And if you get the answer right, and by the way, people haven't been doing very, very well. But if you get the answer right, I'm giving a $25 donation to the charity of your choice. And if hopefully I win, uh, if you fail to answer the question correctly, it is multiple choice. So you have a fighting chance. You will give a donation and $25 to the charity of my choice. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Who said the following quote? The entrepreneur always searches for change, responds to it, and exploits it as an opportunity. Here are your choices. A, Brian Tracy. B, John D. Rockefeller. Or C, Peter Drucker. Rockefeller. Is that your final answer? Final. Okay. That is incorrect. That was, uh, yeah, so good news. The KLM Scholarship Fund uh, will be picking up another $25. The correct answer was famed management guru, Peter Drucker. Can I do that again? No, you cannot do it again. Uh, but yeah, what yeah, you yeah, can yeah. do, but what you can do, everybody in the studio is laughing now, but what you can do is tell everybody how they can get in contact with you. How can they sign up for your stuff? You've got a great podcast and put out a lot of great content. How do people get in touch? Uh, just search me on Facebook. Just remember Paul and the last name just spell pot rats with a Z and pot rats uh, with a Z pot rats with a Z, but it, wherever, just, just do a search and you'll find it, whatever your preferred platform is. <laughs> Excellent. Paul, I want to thank you for joining the show, buddy. I know how busy you are. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Sorry about the dogs too. They were getting a little riled up there. So no, I think I, nobody even noticed if you didn't say anything about it. So, uh, <laughs> so I want to thank my guest, Paul Potras today, as well as thank you, the listener. Uh, please feel free to find all of our content online at the new website, fearless with And remember this, keep the mind sharp, the vision clear and the resolve strong, and you will make it. I'll see you all next week. Are you still there? I just want to say thank you again for listening to this podcast. Our podcast is distributed to several different sources like iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud, plus, of course, our own website. And it would mean so much to me if you liked the show to leave a review. It, of course, helps to build our popularity, but it also helps us come up in search engines so we can reach as many entrepreneurs as possible. So can I count on you to leave a review? I know I can. Thanks again, and I look forward to sharing with you next week.